There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast. We're in a different room inside of our office. It's a lot sunnier. There's a window behind Brandon Vogel, who is in person in our studio. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. It is nice and bright in here. You know, over there in the dungeon for most of these podcasts. Yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see if the listeners can notice the brighter outlook. Hopefully, it doesn't sound as bad because that there's a there's like an AC vent in the other room and it kicks on sometimes and I'm I'm sure it probably doesn't affect the overall quality of the podcast and I'm sure people probably can't notice it when we're talking but it bugs the hell out of me every time it kicks on. <laughs> Maybe that's just. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've ever me. noticed it, actually, on really? the podcast. Okay, well, that's definitely just my neuroses. But since we're going full-on Champions League today, we wanted it to be pristine audio yes. to capture this moment. Yes, we are in good moods. Um, <laughs> and we don't have to play Barcelona right, or Liverpool. They get to beat themselves up, and then we get the winner. Just hopefully. kidding, everyone. Hopefully. Um, we, we won't spend all the time on that. <laughs> what were your... What were your takeaways from the spring game? Let's just start there. Spring football is done. Nebraska's spring game happened last weekend. Nebraska won, so they got a win on the record. Um, what were your takeaways from the game itself and then what you heard throughout the entirety of the spring? Yeah, you know, I don't think anything too too groundbreaking, which I think it, it, it would probably be a bigger problem if you came away with some sort of groundbreaking insight you right. thought you'd found for, from the spring game. You know, I thought, I thought defensively, it, it led a little credence to what we heard all all throughout spring practice, like being able to, you know, you hear great things about Darian Daniels, but then you get to see him play. You hear that Alex Davis is playing faster and more confidently, and then you see him play. Um, so, so those things those things were good. Um, you know, I, I wrote after the game about Nebraska having some quarterback depth with with the way that Noah Vedral played, you know, and I, and that's that's a big thing. I kind of took a historical look at it because it's been about a decade since Nebraska's really had it at all. So so that that's a good thing too. You know, it's springs always comes down to like we we build it up and treat it like a a full on game. And here at Nebraska, they're very fortunate because it looks like a full on game. Um, but you really got to kind of dig into the details and I think take small takeaways away that, that help inform what, what you're going to be thinking about and writing yeah, about in the summer. That 60 minutes is just a big glorified practice. And yeah. it's it's like one data point of 15 that the coaching staff is looking at, which is the thing that I always remind myself afterwards because I'm like, oh, that guy looked really good. But then I'm also like, well, it might be, you know, he didn't look great at the beginning of the spring. He's just balancing himself out right now. Yeah, that that's, that is that is always important. And, you know, <laughs> Nebraska media and Nebraska fans should should feel fortunate. You know, the day after the spring game, I started going through like the reports on the Big Ten to see like what else what else happened because all of the spring games fell on sort of this one Saturday. I know there's you know some still to be played throughout the country, but like the majority of them went the same day Nebraska's did. And um, man, like Michigan didn't keep score, Ohio State didn't tackle, 
And, and like, I, I get that, but for, for Nebraska <laughs> to be able to get most of most of a real football game in there, or at least as close as it can come, I think is, is becoming more and more of an anomaly. Someone asked me this on a radio hit that I did, if, if I thought Nebraska was going to continue with a spring game in this traditional format. Yeah. I'm curious what your answer is, because I was, I kind of took the approach of, like, the surrounding area, the downtown Lincoln area, they get another game day. Yeah. So from an economic standpoint, it's a huge boon for this for, for this area. And then it's a massive, massive recruiting tool. They had basketball kids here as well. And it's, I, I mean, it's like Twitter cloud, basically. It's like yeah. Nebraska can be like, we sold out another spring game. Look at us. Like, I don't know that they're ever going to go away from that. Do you tend to agree with that? When you as as long as they're continuing to draw basically an entire game day back down to Lincoln in, in the middle of April, I don't think you can. And, and you know, it, it, you mentioned the important point was the recruiting part of it too. And it's not just football; it's basketball, volleyball. Usually tries if they can get recruits there, they usually try to get recruits there. And, and Coach Cook's always on the sidelines watching the game because he loves to watch football anyway. So it's there's just it's unique in that regard um and you know and, and frost kind of alluded to it i think in the last availability before that game like i think they're gonna sell it out like we kind of owe it to the people to give them some football um which is which is counter to i think where things are going throughout the country yeah. everybody just wants to get out of that game healthy yeah or get out of the spring healthy i got burnt to a crisp yesterday watching that <laughs> champions league we sat outside on the on the i guess it's the balcony of our uh of our office and watched Spurs play Man City and like look at that <laughs> like it's the weirdest burn too it like is not on the inside of my arm I look very strange so we're gonna have to even that out sorry my arms were really hot and so I was like oh, God, I got burned um, we did a a depth chart projection thing um, Sunday morning Monday morning Monday morning Monday morning on HaleRC.com you can go read and one of the questions that I asked everybody was what was your um, your biggest takeaway from the spring and you brought up running backs and wide receivers in that let's start with the running back room what, what, what I guess what's your level of concern with that group right now because they, they didn't have a full room there were guys coming later Everybody thought Jalen Bradley was going to make a jump or, th- or wanted him to make a jump. He had that opportunity, and the reviews are kind of mixed, I guess, in that regard. So what, what is your concern with that room? Well, I would, <laughs> I'm less concerned than I am about wide receiver because of kind, of kind of what we were able to see in the spring, which wasn't a whole lot. Like, you know, Brody Belt performed well. Um, Jalen Bradley performed pretty well in the spring game, um, but you didn't hear his name nearly as much as Belt's. Um, Wyatt Missouri continues to be Wyatt Missouri. Which is so random because Khalil Davis said after the spring game that Jalen had the best spring of the running backs. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry. Very <laughs> random. Gonna... Back to what you were saying. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone's operating under the assumption that, like, oh, the three real guys, um, quote-unquote, get here in in June. And then, you know, Maurice Washington, with, with whatever happens there. So that one's just kind of one you look at and say, well – I think it more influences how you look at any perceptions you want to have about the offense itself. You have to kind of know that, well, they weren't working with a full full complement running back. A wide receiver, however, they were. I mean, minus J.D. Spielman not being there and, and Wandale, you know, being pretty limited. We didn't get to see him in the spring game. But, like, unless they add somebody, you know, in the offseason via, via transfer, like the group that was there in the spring is going to be there and you add – 
what one more? Is it just Darian Chase from it's, the uh, recruiting? Darian class? Chase and Demarion Houston. Oh, Houston, right? Peanut. Yep, peanut. peanut's coming. <laughs> so, so you've got two more there, um, and it's not that I'm I'm that concerned about how anybody played specifically in that. I mean, it'd be dumb to base that totally based on the spring game. Right. And you heard some good things about guys like Andre Hunt and Jerron Woodard. It's just that being that new at wide receiver is probably it's it's a legitimate concern, you know. It just it matters a lot and having that connection with a quarterback. And when I look at the things, I'm still really really optimistic on the offense. You know, I wrote this basically this for the upcoming issue of the magazine, so look for more on that there. Uh, it's just it's it's one of the limiting factors. When I look at Nebraska, I think it's going to grow offensively. I think it's going to be better. It's going to score more points. How many more is going to be determined by some of those questions at wide receiver that I don't think we got answered this spring? Do you like the tight end room? I do like the tight end room. So if if that's the case, and we both agree that Adrian is going to be really good, yeah. does that combination sort of help mitigate problems at wide receiver? Yeah, it, it has the potential to. So, you know, Stoll, I think we can kind of put off, like, he's great. He's going to be good. He's going to have a big year, I think. Um, I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you've got some intriguing guys in the next group that can all do maybe one or two things really well, maybe don't put it all together. So how you're able to deploy those in the offense becomes really important. But, you know, you, you could see somebody like Katerian Legron spending more time on the field. Um, and, and maybe you don't have to have that fourth receiver or third receiver out there. Um, duck R position allows you to do that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are ways, you know, like I said, the offense is going to be better this year. Um, it's just it's it's not quite the slam dunk it would be if you felt like you knew a whole lot more about the wide receiver group. I, I want to ask you about Javon McCoy and Jalen Bradley specifically. Do you think that – because it's really negative, the, the narrative surrounding those two guys right now coming out of the spring. Do you think that the, um, I guess, the focus on them heading in and all the talk of these guys have a tremendous opportunity, one of these guys has to, you know, steal a spot, so to speak, do you think that that influenced, like, the way that we're talking about them now or made it to where, like, the conversation around them was a little bit warped in the sense that people expected more and when they it wasn't like neither of those guys has a starting spot coming out of spring but that doesn't necessarily mean they had a bad spring right yeah it is and i I, and i think you know that sort of initial thought process storyline whatever you want to call it that okay well liquidity needs to have a big spring because if not now when Mm -hmm. um Jalen Bradley was okay. There's, you know, through graduation, attrition, et cetera, et cetera. You're one of two scholarship running backs on, on the roster, um, and you registered last year. Now's your chance to make it. I mean, those those come from like a legitimate place, right. but I do think it colors, you know, what what you're saying and thinking about them once you get post spring, and it kind of brings me back to the thing that I, I kind of always ask, like what's the ideal spring look like? Like, what if the things went 100% as well as they could have for Nebraska? Like, what what would that even be? And how would you even know? Because we get to see so little of it. And I don't know that there's an answer to that other than, you know, Khalil Davis was saying what he said about Jalen Bradley every day 
Um, right. And that was, you know, sort of. That was Brody Belt. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. So it, perception kind of shapes so much of it. And when you don't get to actually see a whole lot, you kind of just got to trust uh, trust what you're hearing, whether that's from uh, the coaches, from people inside the program, or from people like us, for mm-hmm. you know, the media. I don't know how you feel about Brody, but I have, I have literally no idea what to make of, of his, I guess, prospects in this offense. Like, I have no idea how much he's going to play this upcoming season because he played a ton in the spring. He talked about him a ton in the spring. Yeah. He, like, Ryan Held loved him. And there was one there was one media availability where somebody asked him, like, okay, is he actually going to play? Or some variation of that question. And Ryan was like, I have no qualms about putting him on right. the field because I feel like he can do everything. And then he started the spring game. Yeah. Had 53 yards, I think, mm-hmm. which is okay. How does that translate to – I have no idea what to make of it. Well, I mean, it, it'll be somewhat dependent on, on the guys that, that are coming in because, you know, sort of consciously or unconsciously, you know, so you got guys coming from – two guys coming from Georgia, a guy coming from New Jersey, pretty highly touted guys each in their own way. Um, you know, you, you got to give those guys a, a pretty serious look. And, and it's not like, you know, they automatically have a leg up because they're scholarship guys, and, and but they kind of do. I mean, the, the expectation's different. Like, you, whatever you get for a, from Brody Belt, and you, we saw it this spring, it's like total, like, found money bonus. Like, oh, you know, this is amazing. And he did in the spring game, you know, show me some things that I was like, oh, he can do that, you know, where I'm like, okay, yeah. It, it's not beyond – I think the way Held put it, I would have no qualms about putting him in the game is probably where things stand. Like, I don't know, certainly not based on the spring, if you're at a point where you can say, we have to find ways to get him in the game. But he showed that he's capable, I think, at least. And that, you know, nobody would have thought that, or even thought to think it prior to prior to spring football starting. It's a really good way to put it. You mentioned, you and I were talking a couple days ago about wide receiver, and you mentioned that Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard and you asked, are they misses at this point? Yeah. If they are, and and the staff talked about Jerron kind of off and on throughout the spring. They did not talk about Mike Williams. No. So do they have to be hits because of, you know, you've got Darian Chase in. I feel like I'm asking you the same question that we already covered, but I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts on yeah. those two guys. Like, do they do they have to be hits for this offense to be successful or for this offense to reach, I guess, full potential this season? Um, it would sure help. I think, I think you could, if you could get one of them to have sort of the season where you're like, you know, cause at this point we're like, Oh, they've got to count on those guys. Those guys are seniors. The staff got here with a shallow wide receiver room. They went to the junior college ranks to try and help address it immediately. And that's those two guys, Williams and Woodard. Um, Williams played quite a bit. Um, I felt like, you know, based on some of the postseason comments, you know, when we would get occasional availability, like I felt like I came away more encouraged by Mike Williams' season last year than based on some of the comments that, you know, you heard from Troy Walters. And, and you know, of course, he, he's looking at it in a totally different way than I am, so that makes sense. But for him to not have a catch in the spring game, you know, uh, Did he even play in the spring game? I feel like I didn't see him in the spring game. Good question. Um, I don't because I don't recall either. 
Because he was active. Yeah, he was. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, it, I don't I'm – I'm, I'm definitely not ready to say they're misses at this point, but you would just have hoped. Because those guys were brought in to fill a specific need on a mm-hmm. specific timetable, and we're all the way at the end of spring two now for them. And you're still asking kind of like, can you can you count on one of them? Can you count on both of them? So, yeah, it alters Nebraska's – ceiling I think offensively somewhat unless unless you know you've Andre Hunt is already surpassed one or both of them you know it, it all comes down to that too so I don't know if you feel the same way but going into the spring there were questions on offense and it seems like as we're leaving there are still just as many if not more questions that yeah. we have about the offensive side of the ball I feel really good about the defense right now yeah um, and I think they I think specifically the defensive line probably had the best spring of anyone um, Darian Daniels, to me, in the spring game, looked like a legitimate day one starter in the Big Ten that can be not as important as Adrian Martinez, but can be very, very important to this team moving forward. Yeah, he he certainly, you know, it's you have to make a point, unless you're talking about somebody like Ndamukong Sue, like to really like notice defensive tackle play, you kind of have to make a point to watch it for most guys. Um, because it's just the dirty work. Like, it's it's such dirty work, and you're kind of meant to not be noticed, like, <laughs> go eat up blocks and, you know. So when you do notice a guy, it, it's usually a pretty good indication. And there are a couple times during spring game where Darian Daniels, you know, just in terms of how he was moving guys around, uh, made you notice him. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's really encouraging. The defensive line group's interesting. Um, it's It's a veteran group, but I still feel like it's – got a ton of potential you know it's there's you look at it and so nebraska is going to be able to rotate there i think first and foremost and that's that's big um but second like you're some of your veteran guys there you're still kind of waiting on them to to get closer to their ceilings and i'd say both you know the davis twins certainly ben stilly mm-hmm. um you know darian daniels might be the most kind of ready-made guy and he's been here a couple months and and you hope that him being there as a fifth-year senior uh, kind of paves the way for his brother, who's taken you know the primary backup steps behind him. And I think that is like is going to be such an underrated uh, addition for this defense that Damian does not have to play, yeah. you know, fifty snaps a game. That he can be a guy that comes in and gives it his all for four snaps, and then comes out and gets a breather. Like his nickname is Snacks. Like he's just a big <laughs> dude. And Tony Tuioti has talked a ton about how he just doesn't feel like he can play him a ton. Yeah. So having Darian, who looks like he could probably play a ton yeah. um, and be effective, is is a plus. Like you said with the Davis twins and Stilly, I, I, they're good, and they're good right now, but I still don't feel like we have seen the best version of them. Yeah. And like I'm still very high on Stilly. I thought he was going to have a big year last year, but he didn't really have that breakthrough. That doesn't mean he can't in the future. Yeah. Um, inside linebacker is probably a concern maybe with um, the injury to Nick Henrich who will be out for a, a pretty extended period of time but how did you think Colin Miller played in the game pretty well like I think I think he is um, you know he started to flash last year and his progress has continued um, from from what I've you know been able to see which isn't a ton but in talking to some people like I think he's he's you know, last year at this time, we kind of penciled Will Honus in there because, well, they needed somebody in there. I mean, you know, they had had Dedrick and Mo back, um, but 
I think it's going to be hard at this point for for Will Honus to come in and just like he's not stepping in front of Colin Miller at this point is is I guess the best way to put it. So that's kind of a testament to how far he's come. And I think he's I think he's going to be a pretty good linebacker. Um, you mentioned losing Henrich. You know when we had to come up with with our post spring two deeps, he kind of like faulted Jackson Hanna almost by default, uh, a true freshman who I think also thinks going to be pretty good. But it's just a it's tough for a true freshman to do that, particularly in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's um, but the linebacker in general, they have some guys that I did not expect to be significant pieces that are apparently significant pieces, like Alex Davis pushing Tyron Ferguson out of his starting role and pushing um, they were in a rotation in the spring game and I would have expected Ferg to be the main guy on one side and then for if Alex Davis was having the spring that everybody said he was having for Davis to be rotating with Jojo Doman or Caleb Tanner on the other side sure but for him to take Ferg's spot and for Ferg to I mean that they might have a guy in Alex Davis finally after four years three years it feels like yeah, you know, pre-spring game, I wrote about him a little bit in, in hot reads, and like, I, I'm still not ready to assume this is, is going to be the case. But like, if this were to be like a breakout year for him, um, you know, it would kind of fit with the overall timeline of him starting to play the game late. He's kind of got this like unique frame, um, sort of a basketball frame, which is where he came from gets moved around a little bit, gets shuffled amongst different coaches a ton. You know, maybe it's not unreasonable to think that, yeah, this your senior year might be when you're only, the only time you were going to finally get it. Like, maybe it was just always going to take that long. So that ends up being the case. That would be, that would be very good news for Nebraska because, you know, I think being able to rotate those two guys on that side, if that's what they end up sticking with, you know, JoJo Doman seems like a guy they want on the field as much as possible. So it's a uh, – not a bad spot to leave the spring, at least. I thought the strength of the defense last year went back to front. I thought the defensive backs and the secondary were the, the strongest part of the team and the defensive line. Just the, the inability to consistently stop the run, I thought they were the weakest part of the defense last year. Do you feel like that has flipped a little bit? Do you feel like it's stronger in the front or still strong in the back? Um, I, I do think it's it's pretty close to having flipped. You know, I, it was tough – I don't think I saw enough at safety. Like, I was really interested in what was going to happen at safety this spring and not sure I saw enough there to, to get a great feel for it. And some of that was due to, you know, injuries and other things and guys that were that were out because I, I still really like their group of DBs as a whole, um, but I don't have a great sense for, for what they're going to do at safety. So, and, you know, even at, even at corner, once you get past the top two guys, you know, it starts to get a little bit tough. So... I think I think you're right. You could almost kind of flip that and expect it to work front to back, which you know works really well. Uh, having a good defensive line is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. So there's there's probably more to be sorted in the secondary than I thought there might be coming out of spring. Let's change gears a little bit. Now that we're out of spring, we are officially in that time of uh, projections and and preseason rankings and things like that. Bill Connolly is deep into his. Team by team previews, he does 130, and those are so good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, FPI is getting ready to come out. You had something in Hot Reads that had uh, shock and awe factor in the headline. Minnesota was picked by FPI to win the Big Ten West. What? (laughs) I think that's still unofficial at this point. So ESPN put out a story this week 
about their playoff predictor, and they're like, holy crap, Clemson has even better odds to like make the playoff than they did at this time last year. And Clemson had the best odds last year. Part of that's due to the ACC is not real great right now. Um, but and it is not real great generally. True. But <laughs> less to a lesser degree than it is right now. And Clemson is probably great to a greater degree than it typically has been throughout its history. Well, that's certainly true. Not probably. Um, Clemson's really good. The ACC is not. And that's good news for Clemson to make the playoff. I want Syracuse to be better. I really like Dino Babbers. Yeah, well, they had a good year last year. Can they build off of it and maintain it? That's always the problem for a program like Syracuse. I keep trying to derail your thoughts. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. No, I like it. Um, <laughs> Alabama, your second choice, of course. So, anyway, this playoff predictor thing basically gave you – it was all focused on the playoff team's chances to make the playoff. They haven't officially released FPI yet, um, unless it's happened since we got on here, which I'm pretty sure it hasn't. But Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity radio host, uh, had ESPN College Football Analyst Brad Edwards on yesterday. And Brad Edwards does have access to the <laughs> FPI numbers that uh, ESPN has obviously already tabulated. It offered some insight into that, and he said, you know, the thing that's going to shock people is that Wisconsin is the fourth best team in the Big Ten West based on FPI. Um Football Power Index, ESPN's proprietary measure that has been has predicted 5.5 wins for Nebraska the past two years and become kind of a, a curse word in this state, but is actually like really almost as accurate as you can be compared to most other ranking systems uh, against the spread. So that's out there. But then Brad Edwards kind of reversed himself. He's like, well, maybe actually Wisconsin – isn't the most shocking part because Minnesota has the best chance to to win the uh, to win the Big Ten West. So oh, the damn boat. <laughs> we might we might hear a lot of that if that <laughs> if that if that comes to comes to pass. So he, here I pull it up. These are these are the breakdowns he gave. Um, and again, he's remembering off this off the top of his head. When FPI actually comes out, maybe they'll be a little bit different. But he said Minnesota's at thirty three percent to win the West. Iowa twenty eight. Nebraska 26, Wisconsin 7, Northwestern 4, and then he didn't mention Purdue, which I'm assuming Purdue must be last then. Purdue lost a lot on offense. They lost two running backs who combined for 1,400 yards, David Blau. And you mentioned this yesterday. There's, it's going to be really, really hard for Rondell Moore to replicate what he did. Well, yeah, particularly when I when I looked back at like actually just how much they lost because I knew that the, you know they had a lot to replace offensively, um, but just his numbers from that freshman year were so well they were numbers that earned him All American honors, not freshman All America honors, All America honors. Uh, it's just it's so hard to do that again, much less be even better. Um, you know, just. Probably, you know, statistically, it's it's hard to to do that multiple times in a probably well for him three year career. So, where do these numbers come from? What I mean, yeah. what factors into these? Because I mean, Minnesota is returning some of the most production of any college football team in the country. Yes, like is that that heavily factored into FPI or like how do yeah. how does it, how do they spit out these numbers? Yeah, that's that's why they're there. So you know, I. I spend a lot of time like looking at FPI because I find it pretty interesting, and in particular because you know 
people <laughs> when they hear something they don't they don't expect to hear you know tend to, to, to dismiss it but their preseason preseason rankings are made up of uh, returning starters or returning production so Minnesota's best in the big Ten in that in that category Indiana's not very far behind um, so that's that's a big piece of like making them popular you know in these these sort of preseason team power rankings uh, I think it's I don't know how long the, the look back is, but past performance, you know, and what's interesting about FPI is it really weights just the, the previous year um, more heavily than the three that came before that. So I think it's, if you're talking about your total score for the past four years, it's 50% last year and then 50% for the three before that, which I actually think, if I remember correctly, is the, almost the opposite of how S&P Plus has done it. I think, you know, I think I read this this spring. Bill Connolly, who does those rankings for SB Nation, said that he's found that, you know, the most recent year might actually have the least to do. So it's just interesting how these things all come together. And then there's a recruiting component and and a coaching component, which doesn't really apply to – that's mostly for new coaches. Um, So so that's what goes into it. If we are looking back on this in December, will you be surprised if Minnesota is representing the West in the Big Ten Championship? I will. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the returning production is, is great, and that's that's valuable. Like that's, that's a valid thing to take into account. I don't know how strong their quarterback play will be. You know, they had two guys both back who kind of almost half and half – split that season as starters they have two running backs who it feels like nebraska's been facing for a decade who are still there (laughs) due to very but they're both coming back from injury um so that's to be seen but also and, and this is the other thing that's like really important to remember with this stuff so you know i write this story with this flashy headline about the big 10 favorite big 10 west favorite is minnesota well yes technically they are but they have a 33% chance to win the division. So that means two out of three times they won't. Right. Somebody else will. And, you know, it's just kind of changing that mindset to, to think about what these probabilities are, are actually telling you. It's telling you, like, yeah, a lot of stuff can happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I will be surprised if FPI, FPI is right. And then I won't be surprised because I think FPI is bad. Um, I won't. I mess that up. I will be surprised if Minnesota is the winner, but it won't be because I think FPI is bad. Okay. There we go. One of the things that could happen is Adrian Martinez wins a Heisman. He could. Now, that's that's another good one to think about probabilistically. Um, Which Aaron Sorensen thinks will happen, by the way. Oh, that's <laughs> true. That's true. She's on throw record. her under the bus on She's that. on record. So I haven't looked it up recently. So, yeah, he's, you know, every time it gets written about, and I've done it myself, it's, he's got the third best Heisman odds, or tied for third best, whatever it was. But if you look at the odds themselves, like those Heisman odds are like a total crapshoot beyond usually the favorite, because I think he's at like twelve hundred to one, thirteen hundred to one, something like that. So, so play this season thirteen hundred times, Adrian Martinez wins it once. <laughs> think about it that way, not as oh well, that's well, I mean, which is also true. Well, that's a lot better than 99% of college football. True. Well, it's the, the preseason Heisman odds, I think, are like like the top five guys 
rarely ever make it to New York City. There's always and it's and it's the same with preseason rankings. Like the top ten teams, like Florida State was a top ten team. Yeah, it, it's just there's a lot of stuff that can happen. So yeah, it's it's it, it's hard to predict the future. It's why we play the games. <laughs> it is why we play the games because they get even more random. Well, like they get way more random than you would ever expect them to be. Did this spring change your outlook on the season for Nebraska? Do you, did did it up your shaking your head so it didn't up your expectations or what you think they're going to be able to accomplish no I think they're I think they're well part of that's strategy on my part because I, I kind of constantly self-check <laughs> what I'm what I'm thinking um, because I don't know that the spring should do that okay. I think it feels dangerous if if it did um, but also you know I think not I don't feel like we got a great look at the offense um, just with the way that that whole thing shook out defense. I do come away a little bit more optimistic on like, I, I, I also think the defense will make an improvement um, this season, but I expected it to be a slighter improvement than, than what will happen offensively. But I think now I, I feel a little more encouraged, like they're sort of ceiling use the word ceiling way too many times on this podcast, but their ceiling may have raised tiny bit in my mind what was the defense in s&p last year do you know off the top of your head i don't know off the top of my head they see if i can find it nope i've deleted everything off my laptop because you have to have like 200 gigabytes of preloaded stuff that you can't delete off the laptop yeah it just takes up all sidebar whatever um what what, does the defense have to be like top six I feel like we're going to have this conversation about the team every single year that Shenander and Frost are here. Like, does the defense have to be top six for them to be successful? Top six in the country? In the Big Ten. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, not necessarily. I, I look at it in, in terms of points. So I think Nebraska was at 34, 36 points a game last year, somewhere around there. Like, that's, that's not going to cut it. Like – even if your offense is scoring 40-plus points a game, like that's still only a four-point cushion, and that's, that's not where Nebraska wants to be. I look at, I look at 28 points per game as, as the mark for, for this defense. Like If they can get to that, which is typically average across the country, it's actually a little below average in the Big Ten, where, which is a pretty strong defensive conference, Like I think the offense will be good enough that you're operating at basically a 10-point-per-game differential and – that's going to be that's you should win nine ten games with that so can they get to 28 points a game this season maybe i mean i think it's tough like also like you don't pick up from last season that's the way we look at it but like you don't you just start over so yeah it looks like a big eight point improvement they'd have to make but you know based on some of the things we heard in the spring like i think they can be a 28 point per game defense for sure um anything lower than that um and if the offense you know improves at all on the 30 points a game it scored last year well then you're then you're in in pretty good shape for for 2019 well hey benefit you don't have to play fpi's predicted best offense in the conference in michigan <laughs> and give up 50 points like you did last year that's true when we were in the office wreck the curve <laughs> we were in the in the office reading that article for the first time that was one of the things mentioned about michigan I was like whoa um which you know, Michigan is has Shea Patterson. That's a good thing. Uh, 
they, they've joined the 21st century. They're going to, <laughs> they're going to a spread. This new thing called the spread offense. We'll run some orbit motions and jet sweeps and zone reads. It's gonna be crazy stuff. You Did know? you see? You might not have seen. It. Eric Musselman was introduced at Arkansas, and he. Um, this just reminded me of that. He was talking about what kind of offense they're going to run, and he described the offense, and then he was like, it's this thing we call pace and space. And I just burst out laughing. I'm like, yeah, every single team in basketball calls it pace and space. So, Yep. What do you got working on? Or what uh, do you got coming up? What are you working on? Yeah, now we're, now we're in an interesting time. So we've got the, the April issue getting ready to go go to press where you can find plenty of sort of spring football review i'm pretty interested like i think we had a, a nice format for that um but it's it's yearbook time now at least from from my perspective so now we really get to dig into like okay why could minnesota win the big the big 10 west and and why is purdue apparently going to be you know an afterthought this year and i'm not saying that's what i think i'm just saying that's kind of the consensus is right. forming and i'm really excited about you know the yearbook's so much fun to do I think we've got a great lineup of, of features in that for um, for people. I'm really excited about all the stories we're doing there. So so now's a really creative time, a really fun time because uh, we get we get to really go all in on uh, getting that our, basically our flagship product right. uh, ready to get hit the newsstands here in a couple of months. So I'm going to be secretive with what I'm working on. Erin is secretive with what she's working on. Do you want to take the same approach, or what are you working on? Um. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not afraid to to say it because, like, I've already got hours and hours of, like, tabulations and things in. So okay. if somebody wants to steal it and catch up, go Good ahead. Luck. It's going to take a while. Good luck. Um, <laughs> not saying it's hard. It's just going to take a while. Um, I'm really interested in sort of the the art of the opening drive. Like, what do you try to do with that opening drive? Like, obviously, the goal of every drive is to score. Um, but you're also trying to – it's the chess match. You're trying to learn things about how the opponents are going to defend you, and it informs you know how you game plan or how you implement your plan from from there on out. So that's the path I'm going down. Interesting. The only scripted part of a football game. Yeah, that'll be fun. And makes that more interesting. Uh, Bill Walsh, was maybe not the fourth father, but he kind of popularized popularized that. Um, Nebraska's head coach played for Bill Walsh. If you didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to have a Hale Varsity store that just sells uh, your t-shirts. Oh. It's just a pocket t-shirt that has wishbone. Yeah, this one might not. This one might be might not be popular here. It was, it's kind of faded now, but it was like a shade of crimson, and it says wishbone on it. So I think the faded old school look adds to the the ambiance, though. It, it it does. It might just the wishbone. <laughs> We associate with Oklahoma, Derek. I'm sorry. Oh, um, sorry. So, so that might be that might be a problem. So, if we maybe if we, maybe this one, we, we can get some shirts made that say "Counter Sweep," which is like in my mind, Nebraska's greatest play from the Osborne years. The options were great, but really, Counter Sweep was was where it was at. Um, so, wait, you're wearing an OU shirt right now? I'm, I'm wearing a. Sh- I, I view it as a shirt that just appreciates one of the greatest offensive innovations ever, the wishbone. Okay. You know, talk about spread. Like the, wi- <laughs> the wishbone was insane. Teams were installing it in like a month. They're like, we've we've got to do this. It's killing everybody um, because Oklahoma and Texas were running wild with it. Um, so I wear it as a uh, 
appreciation of the wishbone itself, but I'm saying most people here probably think, is that an Oklahoma shirt? Like, why do you, we hate the wishbone. It ran all over <laughs> Nebraska for a good stretch of the 70s. So. Well, uh, in my defense, I was not even a thought at that point when sure. those things were happening. So sure. uh, on that note, we will end this. Probably got work that you've got to do. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's nice to have you in studio. It is. It's always always better when you have a conversation face-to-face. So thank you. Yeah, it gets rid of those awkward silences and Skype calls. Cool. We will be back next week with another podcast. We will have uh, stuff on HailVarsity.com throughout the entire week. Baseball is still going on, and they're doing really well. Kyle Cardell is handling that for us. So um, lots still happening. Talk to you guys soon.